0: Welcome to our meditation service podcast. Each week we will have a different presentation, including different sutra chanting, different speakers, and different dharma messages. Through this meditation service program, we will have both seated and standing meditation, sutra chanting, and a dharma message. We hope that this meditation service podcast will enable the listener, to experience meditation, to experience sutra chanting, and to listen to a Dharma message. In our Shin Buddhist tradition, we regard meditation as not a practice or as a means to try to attain enlightenment, but we are simply sitting to calm ourselves so that we might better receive the Dharma, hear the Dharma. Our everyday life is so hectic and fast-paced and busy, we need a little bit of quiet time, tranquility. We find it hard to focus on listening to a message. And so, by sitting first, we're able to settle ourselves, calm ourselves, and open our hearts and minds to receive the teachings. Once we learn how to receive the teachings in a meditation service, we find that we're able to receive the teachings even in our everyday life. We encounter teachers anywhere. It could be a driver. It could be a bartender. It could be your pet cat or dog that gives you a teaching relevant to your life. Thank you.
1: We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered. With your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, it's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we are part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from 1 to 10, inhale deeply, let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go. Please put your hands together in gashou, bow, namo amidabutsu, namo amidabutsu, namo amidabutsu, Naman namandabutsu, 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 namandabutsu.
0: Before we begin our sitting meditation, you may choose to sit on a cushion, or you may choose to sit in a chair, either is fine. First we'll center ourselves so that our back is straight. If you're sitting in a chair, you may want to sit forward in the chair and not use the backrest. This forces you to sit upright on your own. So if you're sitting in the chair, place your feet flat on the floor, place your hands on your thighs, and first we're going to gently rock from side to side. Gently rock from side to side, Gradually make that movement smaller, like a pendulum that's coming to rest. And you will sense or feel your balance point left and right. Now do the same forward and back. Gently rock forward and back. Forward and back. Gradually making that movement smaller. And find your center point of balance forward and back. Now you're centered, your back is straight, you're balanced. Your chin is tucked down slightly. Your eyes are half open and half closed. Don't close your eyes completely during meditation. Half opened and half closed, looking slightly down a few feet ahead of you. Hand position. Place your left hand into the palm of your right hand. And your thumbs are touching, uh, forming a circle, as if you're gently holding an egg, perhaps. And place your hands over your navel area. Be relaxed. Don't be tense during meditation. So you may want to raise your shoulders up and drop them down to relax your shoulders before we begin our first sitting meditation. Once you're settled, centered, and grounded, then at the sound of the bell, we'll begin our first sitting meditation. Put your hands together in gosho and bow. Naman doubles, naman doubles, naman doubles, naman doubles, naman doubles, naman doubles.
2: We will begin our second seated meditation. Please be seated. You can resume your former position. Again, back straight, eyes lowered hands resting comfortably in your lap, legs crossed, or sitting in a chair. We will begin at the sound of the bell. Please put your hands together in gassho and bow. Namo Ami Dabutsu, Namo Ami Namo Ami Namo Ami Namo Ami
1: We will now have sutra chanting. A sutra is a sacred scripture from Buddhism. These originated long ago in India and in China. The text that we chant is actually Chinese, a translation from Sanskrit originals. Is it necessary to understand the meaning of what we're chanting? Of course, not at the outset. We don't know anything about it when we first begin. But I believe that we should aim to understand what the sutra is teaching us. We should have a basic awareness of its content. These are the teachings of our Shin Buddhist tradition, after all. For that reason, we provide in the Shin Buddhist service book some pages of explanation and some English translations. What we experience by chanting, I would say, has three aspects. The first aspect is meditative, like sitting or standing or breathing. Chanting forces us to focus our attention on the present moment, and it helps to calm our minds. Second, there is a ritual aspect. We are reenacting something that's taken place countless times over the centuries. We are connecting with the many followers of our Buddhist tradition, who have chanted these same words, and we are gaining a sense of oneness with the other people who are chanting at this time, perhaps listening to this podcast. Third, there is a learning aspect. This is to gain a little bit of knowledge of what the meaning of the characters that we chant are. And we do that separately, I would say, from actual chanting. In the story of the larger sutra, the Bodhisattva, declares his 48 vows, things which must be fulfilled if he is to attain perfect enlightenment. Immediately after declaring the vows, he speaks in verse. These are the verses we call Juseige. He says, I will unfailingly attain supreme enlightenment, I will save all the destitute and afflicted everywhere, and my name will be heard throughout the universe. Let's chant the Juseige.
3: kāgōn chō se gan, hī
4: shību
3: jō rō, shī he
1: Please put your hands together in Gashou. bow, Namo amidabutsu. Namo amidabutsu. Namo Amidabuts Naman dabutsu. Naman dabutsu. Naman, dabutsu. Naman dabutsu.
5: Every January, I notice a sudden increase in the number of runners in my neighborhood. The surrounding gyms and health clubs are also suddenly packed with nowhere to park. And then I remember that we've just celebrated New Year's Eve. These are all the people who made resolutions to get healthy. Most will be gone by February. Both the runners and the parking lots will have cleared out until next year. This is because only about 8% of all New Year's resolutions are actually achieved. There are two main reasons for this. First, a resolution is often goal-oriented without any specific path or process defined on how to actually reach that goal. Second. The path is too difficult. Suddenly, running five miles a day is not enjoyable, and it relies too much on sheer willpower. When willpower fades, so too does the new behavior. Goals are good for orienting us in the right direction, and they also provide a feedback loop, but they are not a good way to actually make things happen. Another approach is to focus on a process. For example, rather than vowing to get healthy, instead vow to walk your dog every day around the block. This activity is so simple and easy that it requires very little effort. Over time, this activity will naturally become a habit rather than a chore. You and your dog will want to walk rather than have to walk. Creating new habits is actually how we change old habits. The mechanism for the solution is the same as that for the problem. When we find ourselves in the middle of a big problem, We often think that we need a big solution, a silver bullet, a home run. It is counterintuitive, but our big problems are created over a long period of time due to very small, repeated habits. Problems sneak up on us in this way. New habits allow big solutions to also sneak up on us. Changes in behavior, both for the good and bad, occur after a behavior has become an effortless practice. I have experienced this myself. About 10 years ago, my wife Linda began going to yoga classes. She wanted me to also attend. I hesitated to go, but she was so enthusiastic that I couldn't say no. I kept attending and did not give up. Instead of trying to do yoga, I began just doing yoga. It was then that something very interesting began to happen. When I quit trying, yoga became less frustrating. I stopped competing with the 20-year-old women around me. All that was left was the activity, the process of doing yoga. I then began to enjoy it. Once this happened, it became a habit. Now I would rather attend Monday night yoga at the Orange County Buddhist Church than stay home watching Monday night football or reruns on TV. This was my yoga conversion from a have to to a want to. I searched around the web to see what could have caused my change of heart concerning yoga. The explanation I found was that I had unknowingly moved from a goal-oriented approach to a process-oriented approach. Rather than trying to accomplish something, I was now experiencing something. I found this very interesting because it helps explain while seemingly trivial Buddhist practices can lead to profound changes in our lives. In our tradition, we listen to the teachings, we bow, we chant, and we practice gratitude. I never really understood how something as trivial as saying thank you could be profoundly transformative. But that is the key. Trivial, effortless, easy practices are the only ones that can become habits. They require little or no willpower. We actually call this the easy path. It has to be easy or the behavior would not stick. When I first started to attend OCBC, it took effort and sacrifice. My favorite Sunday morning activity was listening to Breakfast with the Beatles while running on the beach. It is a three-hour radio show consisting of only Beatles music. I had to give this up to attend OCBC. Some days, OCBC won my time, and other times it was the Beatles. But over time, I found that I had a better week after attending OCBC as compared to running with the Beatles. I couldn't explain it, but it was true. Slowly, attending OCBC became as effortless as running with the Beatles. I began to see OCBC as just another activity, one comparable to any other activity. Buddhism had become a habit for me. Having to attend OCBC on Sundays is like having to brush my teeth before I go to bed. Both are ingrained, effortless practices that have profound effects over time. I think this is why bodhisattvas make impossible vows. It forces them to focus on process. Whether it is emptying the Pacific Ocean with a pint measure or delaying one's awakening until all beings are awakened, all one can do is focus on the process of practice when the goal is impossible. That is what Buddhas do. Please join me in Gasho. Nam dats nam dats nam dats nam dats nam
2: This concludes our podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and gained something from this segment. Please join us again. And thank you.
5: In Buddhism, the teachings are broken up into what is called three baskets. One basket contains the sutras or the actual teachings of the Buddha. Another basket contains the ethical and moral guidelines for monks and nuns living in a monastic community. And the third basket is for commentary. Commentary is when monks or nuns or lay people read a Buddhist sutra and then give commentary. Or explanation and this is a hugely important aspect of the Buddhist tradition is commentary when the Dalai Lama writes a book or Thich Nhat Hanh writes a book they are taking part in this commentary tradition and in this vein we've begun blog posts so if you go to everydaybuddhist.org, and on the top navigation bar you click on blog you don't have to be a student you don't have to be logged in you'll have access to our bi-weekly blog. The first one's entitled The Art of Being Alone, and the second one is Appreciating Our Tailwinds, and a third is about to be published. Each one will highlight some interesting or very appropriate content on the internet. It might be a video, it might be a podcast, it might be an essay, and then I give commentary or kind of a background to this, and then you may follow the link and listen to the content. You can also be notified of new blog posts if you enroll in our school. So this is another benefit of being enrolled in the everydaybuddhist.org school is you will be pushed notifications about when the latest blog has just been posted to our site. So I hope you visit our site, take part in this free content, and even enroll in our school so you'll be notified when it's ready and hot off the press.
2: Today's program was presented by
5: Reverend Marvin Harada, Reverend John Turner,
2: Reverend Ellen Crane.
5: Minister's Assistant,
1: James Pollard. And Minister's Assistant, Janice Hirohama.
2: Executive Producers, Reverend Marvin Harada and Jim Scott. Produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. Directed and engineered by Reverend John Turner. Edited by Jim Scott. This program includes excerpts from Time Stood Still by Riley Lee, used with permission.
1: This program is copyright 2020, Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved.
0: We hope you'll join us for future podcasts, or please check out our Buddhist online program at everydaybuddhist.org. Our website is ocbuddhist.org There are Dharma messages that you can read on the website and the online program has a number of Buddhist education courses from introductory level to the study of Buddhist texts. If you've never attended one of our meditation services, we are located at 909 South Dale Avenue in Anaheim. Thank you for joining us today.